If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Joshua chapter number one. Joshua chapter number one. And Joshua chapter number one. How many of you are afraid of something and you would admit it? You're afraid of something, all right? Some of you are afraid of dating, I know that, okay? Um, <laughs> which I don't understand that, but anyway, some of you are. Uh, it's not a dating message, it's not a marriage message, but guys, get with it, okay? Uh, get over your fears. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All the ladies say, praise the Lord, okay? <laughs> all right. And uh, ladies, you can get your hankies out, start waving them, okay? And don't be running around the auditorium, please don't do that. Uh, but there are fears, and, and what fears do, they cripple us. I mean, they almost like hold us hostage. Um, some of you might be afraid of flying. Anybody like that? You're just terrified of getting on an airplane. Okay, nobody, okay. Um, how many are afraid of heights? Anybody afraid of heights? Okay, some heights. How many are afraid of spiders? Okay, all right, now, okay. And, um, okay, every hand ought to be raised on this. How many of you are afraid of snakes? Raise your hand. How many of you love snakes? Wicked, wicked, <laughs> wicked. All those people are the children of the devil, okay. Man, there's only one good snake in this world, and that is a dead snake, all right. Um, I hate snakes. My wife really hates snakes. I mean, she does not like, I mean, she doesn't even like the rubber ones. I mean, she doesn't even like the ones you eat, you know, the ones with all the sugar on it. I don't even know what you call those, but we give them our bus kids, and that's why they don't behave in class. Um, but, uh, I mean, she doesn't like those snakes. I remember not too long ago, uh, this is last summer, um, I was trying to convince my wife to, to take her mountain biking. And I told my wife, I said, listen, the area we're going to, it's really, it's not, the mountain's not steep, and uh, it's, it's just really mellow. You'll enjoy it. It's great bonding time for you and me. Recreational companionship, husband, wife. And uh, we'll bring a little snack and we'll kind of eat uh, once we get to our destination. And then we'll, on our way back, you know, we'll just enjoy the ride together. I said, honey, it's, only, it's a 10-mile trail. That's it. Five miles out and five miles back. I mean, it's a piece of cake. And she said this, is there any snakes? And I said, no, I, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, we're going to go with, it's going to be a little bit warmer during the day. I said, oh, the snakes are normally there in the morning and, and then at, at night. And I said, daytime, we won't see any snakes. And uh, so we get on our bikes. And, and my wife, she, she's not, she, she doesn't like downhills, okay, on a mountain bike. She doesn't like uphills, all right? Um, she doesn't like rocks. She doesn't like any type of obstacles, all right? All she likes is like pavement. And when you're mountain biking, there's no pavement. And so... She's not really a big fan of it yet. She hasn't seen the light yet. She hasn't been really sanctified in her life yet to, to really enjoy this. And so we get on our bikes and we, we go up this, it was a little climb, so we're climbing up this hill and we're coming around the corner. She's doing really good. I was, I was really proud of her. Man, I was cheering her on. I said, man, you are really doing awesome, honey. She said, are you sure? He said, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. We're going to fall off this cliff here. I said, no, 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 no. You're not going to fall off. Don't worry about that. And uh, so we're going along, and we come around this corner, and I saw this snake slither across the trail. And I said, man, I'm glad she's behind me, because if she would have saw that, she would have freaked out. 
So we're planning a little bit longer, and that same snake, I never, it wasn't a rattlesnake, and, but it was the fastest snake I've ever seen in my life. And that thing shot in front of her. My wife screamed. I mean, she, ah! I mean, loud. Maybe, ah, like that, all right? But she picked up her bike and turned her bike around, and she started going, now it was a little uphill, but now she's going downhill. My wife's not real, really at that level of going to those speeds downhill. And so I turned my bike around. I'm trying to catch her, but I can't. She's going too fast. And, and, and I knew at the end there was a rock garden. Basically, there's rocks, and you had to kind of go over it. And I knew if she hit that at that speed, she's going to crash. And then you'd all have my funeral service, and I'd be dead. And, and so I'm, I'm yelling at her, slow down, slow down, slow down. Well, we get down to the end, and she, it, was, it was pretty cool what she did. She grabbed her brakes, and she slid, and all the dust came up. And she looked at me. She said, I'm never going to do this again with you. You lied to me. She hates snakes. You know, there's things that we're all afraid of. Some of you are afraid at night, just the darkness. My wife's been in Houston. I hate being in my house alone. I turn all my lights on. I turn on the radio. I turn on the TV. I just make sure that if anybody's walking by my house, they realize, oh, someone's there. Yeah, me, that's it. And, but we're afraid of different things. Now, as you think about Joshua, think about Joshua and the task that was before him. Think about what he had to face. I mean, the book of Joshua is a record of, of the conquering of the land of Canaan and under the leadership of Joshua. Moses... Um, predecessor. And Joshua's task was huge. It was huge. I mean, besides, I mean, think about taking the baton from Moses. You know, you know the, the man that stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. I mean, the one that turned, you know, the, the, the river into blood and, and all the different, you know, plagues and, and how God used Moses. Now, Joshua was stepping up to that leadership now. It was overwhelming to him to lead the children of Israel into the Canaan land and where there was walled cities and there was you know, really just nations that were uh, incredible warriors and they had giants in the land that outnumbered Israel. How could Joshua or anyone follow in the footsteps of a great leader like Moses? What kind of man would Joshua have to be to take over this giant task? And do you realize that each of you have a task at hand? And we're going to talk about winning over our fears. Listen, God wants us to win. The Bible says, listen, we're already winners. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Listen, we, we, we are on the winning side, but so many times we live as defeated, as a defeated people because the fears that we encounter in our lives. And so we're going to look at some principles this morning that I pray they'll be a help to you to, to find victory over your fears, whatever they may be. Now, I may not touch upon your, your fears tonight, this, this afternoon, but listen, these principles that we talk about can help you to be victorious so that you're a winner 
over the fears that you encounter. Listen, you will face them. We all will. We never get to the point where we don't face fears. But it's how we encounter these fears and what will we do with these fears that will bring victory so that we are winners. So I'm going to share with you some keys to this, okay? Now, I have five, but I don't think I'm going to get to five just because of the time. Uh, so we'll just get through as many as we can. But we're going to look at some keys that will help us to be winners over our fears. Listen, the first word I'm going to give you, okay, is not a sexy word. It's the word commitment. That's not real sexy. It's not like, wow, you know, that, that, that's a cool thing. You know, commit, no. But let me say this. Commitment is vital. And I don't care what it is. Listen, in, in your marriage, some of you are married, or hopefully all of you will be married one day. Listen, commitment is so important. Listen, you're not going to always have, you know, you know, those honeymoon feelings in your married life. But what's going to keep your marriage together and growing through those, maybe those challenging times, is that word right there, commitment. Back in April 4th, 1981, I stood at a wedding altar and I, and I made some commitments to my bride, forsaking all others till death do us part, for richer, for poor, and sickness and health, forsaking all others till death do us part. Listen now, for 39 years, those commitments have meant something to me and have, has kept our marriage strong. So let me challenge you as you think about this, there's a commitment that you need to make in your life toward, to, to your God and to what God has for your life, a commitment to it. So we see, first of all, under this thought of commitment, we see the completion of Moses. In, in Joshua chapter number one, look what it says in verse number one. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, that's pretty final, isn't it? Hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now, up to this point, they were, they were in mourning for 30 days about Moses' death. And, and they just didn't do much. There was no really activity. There was no movement. There was no progress. They were just mourning the loss Maybe even the attitude of despair came in, like, what's going to happen to us now? But listen, we need to realize that, that God is always in control. Yes, Moses is dead, but God told Joshua, listen, I have called you. We see an action then determined. Look what he says in verse number two. Now, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, this Jordan. There was a time for weeping. It's very appropriate to have a time of weeping, a time of mourning. But God wanted to remind Joshua that, listen, even though Moses is dead, the God of Moses is still alive. Now listen, you're going to face some difficult times in your life, and may I just challenge you, listen, your God is alive. Your God is alive and your God will help you and, and will strengthen you and will encourage you as you move forward. So not only we see here, we see the, the, uh, the completion of Moses, but we see the calling of Joshua. God calls Joshua 
to take up the baton and to lead the people of the children of Israel into the promised land. Joshua was being commissioned by God to lead the people. His calling wasn't going to be without opposition or difficulty. And listen, if God's called you, you're going to face some opposition. You're going to have some hardships. You're going to have some difficulties. Listen, when God called me into the ministry, I was 21 years old. I had, I had, I had a, a pretty good career path. I, my wife was pregnant for, with our first child. But God touched my heart and he, I sensed a calling. Now, I'll be honest with you, that scared me to death. Because I knew what that meant. Now, you know, leaving my career wasn't really, that wasn't really a big thing to me. What was, what was the, the big obstacles? Could God use somebody like me? And I knew I had, I had to go to college and, 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 and I just looked at my abilities and I looked at my talents and, and how I was wired up and I'm thinking, there's nothing I could offer to God. But I just came back to that point in my life that God called me. And I answered that call. And I remember walking into the, my boss's office and telling him that I had to turn down a, a position of promotion that they were offering me because I was going to go into Bible college. And he, he was a Christian, he understood, and he commended me for that, and, and, and I moved forward. But three weeks into my college, my wife gave birth to our, our first child. So here I was a freshman. In college, I had a brand new son. Seven weeks after he was born, our son had open heart surgery at seven weeks old. He had a second open heart surgery when he was seven months old. So within my first semester, or my first year, our son had two open heart surgeries. And I began to wonder, I began to question, am I doing the right thing? Am I supposed to be here in college? Did I miss something? And I kept on going back in my heart, and I just went over my mind and about the process and, and, and how I thought that God was leading me, and, and, and it was a journey of faith, and, and I'm thinking, did I miss something? But then I began to realize that, listen, just because I made that commitment, saying yes to Jesus, that didn't guarantee that it was all going to be smooth sailing. I mean, think about what the Apostle Paul said. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, right here, but in God. But in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from a great death, 
and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Listen, you're going to face some obstacles. You're going to face some challenges. But what's going to keep you moving forward is this, is your commitment to the calling upon your life. Whatever that is, if it's be going to be a missionary, if it's to be a pastor, if it's to be a Christian school teacher, whatever that calling is, listen, you have that commitment in your heart. And listen, if you made that decision in a moment of faith, believing that this is what God has for your life, can I challenge you? Listen, never question it. Never question it. And here's the winner's focus. Look at this. Little statement. You can write this down if you can. The winner's focus. Exercise unreserved commitment to the course that God has called you to. We need to exercise unreserved commitment to the course that God has called you to. And we don't get too excited about that word commitment. It's not all warm and fuzzy, is it? But what's going to keep you moving forward is having that heart of commitment. Joshua knew that, listen, God has called me. The Lord spake to Joshua. And then we, we see that calling. And that needs to be our focus. If we're going to win, if we're going to win over our fears, what's going to fuel us? What's going to give us that, that determination? It's this, is that we need to exercise unreserved commitment to the course. Listen, that God has called us to walk. Whatever that is. You know, I'm going I'm to stay at it. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to deviate. This is what God called me to do. Counselors, listen, you're going to face some challenges. It might be financial. Listen, it might be relational. You might, you might think, well, the one I'm dating right now is the one I'm going to marry. Then you have a breakup. And you want, well, you know, life is, is going to end now. Now listen, realize what God's called you to do. You got to stay committed. A winner's focus. Number two, the second key is this. Is companionship. Look at verse number five of Joshua chapter one. And there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Listen, his presence doesn't remove our fears. Our fears are there. We're, it, it's gonna, we're going to have that tension. We have that fear, but I know God's there. I think it was, it was last summer we took our kids to, our grandkids to um, Disneyland. And uh, we wanted to go on, they wanted to go on the, the Winnie the Pooh ride. All right? I mean, it's, I get really excited about that one. Okay. <laughs> so we're in that line, and, and you kind of, there's these doors, and kind of, it's kind of, the doors open up, and it's real dark in there. And so they got scared. They got scared because it was dark behind those doors. And so they, they, they kind of, they said, Poppy, we're not going there. That's, that's too dark. That's, that's scary. I said, I'll go with you. No, 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 no. So I had to grab little 
uh, Avonlea's hand. I said, come on, Avonlea, we'll go on there. And boy, I, I mean, for a three-year-old, I mean, she was squeezing my hand. My hand was turning pink. I mean, she was holding on for dear life. I was trying to, put, you know, get her, you know, strapped in, and she's holding my hand. And I'm trying to peel her fingers off me. I said, don't worry, Emily, I'm going to be right here next to you. I'm scared, puppy, I'm scared, puppy. I said, don't worry, I'm here. You want to know something? That, that whole ride, she was holding on for dear life. I was there the whole time. And about three quarters of the way through, I felt pressure releasing from my fingers. And blood began to flow through my hand once again. <laughs> Finally, she got to the point where this is not too bad. It's like Poppy said, I'm going to enjoy this. Do you realize that when you face your fears, you have someone with you? I, I, re I remember that phone call I got. It wasn't a phone call. We didn't have cell phones back then. It, was, it came to the receptionist desk at the college I went to. And they, they called my name. And I was an off-campus uh, off student. I was married. I didn't even go to the church that, that represented the college. Uh, I went to my home church and just commuted back and forth. And so I never had announcements. I never, um, you know, I think I had two demerits. One, my hair was too long. I don't understand why they didn't allow my ponytail, but, you know. Um, <laughs> And another time, I was doing some work during a radio broadcast. I was, I was you know, multitasking. And uh, one of the teachers, uh, I'm not going to say, but he's sitting over here on my right, and big guy, and um, <laughs> rolled me up and gave me a demerit for, um, you know, reading the Bible. Um, <laughs> so I got my name <laughs> called to, you know, to go to this desk. So I go to the desk and they, and they said, uh, all, all it says is that your son was rushed to the hospital and you need to go to this hospital. That's all it said. Now, you, back then we didn't have cell phones. I couldn't call my wife. Hey, what's going on? I'm telling you what, that, that, that hour and 15 minute drive from Indiana to downtown Chicago to the University of Chicago was the most fearful moment in my life. So I was driving, I was crying out to God and crying literally, what's going on? I get to the hospital, I didn't know really where to go, but I went, they pointed me in a direction, I went there and the, 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 the doors to the elevator opened up and I saw my wife, I saw our, our baby son and about, about seven medical people all just doing stuff. And it was almost like in shock. And my wife grabbed my hand and we went into the elevator and we went to the, he was rushed into surgery. And we found a little corner of that hospital outside of the surgical room. And we just began to pray. And it was like God's presence filled that room. And we just felt his presence there. And that brought great comfort. It brought strength to us. That no matter what was going to transpire, God was in control. And that he loved us. 
that he was working. And Psalms 56 said this to us, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Listen, not only is there commitment, but realize this, companionship. We don't have to travel through life alone. His presence is guaranteed when we face our fears. He tells us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I love Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Here's the second winner's focus. We never have to encounter our fears alone. We never have to encounter our fears alone. I'm not sure what you're fearful. Maybe, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's something taking place back home. Maybe it's your future. Maybe you're struggling about, has God called me or not? But always remember, listen, our focus is we will never encounter our fears alone. Here's the third key. Write down the word courage. Courage. Look at verse number seven. The Bible says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And then verse number nine. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Man, what a wonderful promise. What courage. Courage comes from his companionship. Listen, don't deny your, don't deny your fears. Listen, but don't depend upon your, your own capacity to conquer your fears. Listen, your fears are bigger than you. My fears are bigger than me. But listen, we have a God, though, that's bigger than all of our fears. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and be not afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also becometh my salvation. Listen, we need to discover his, his promises to conquer our fears. Look, if, I don't know if you can write this down, but if you look at Joshua chapter number, number one, there, there's, several, there's several promises that God gives to us. Number one, in verse number five, he gives us the, the promise of his protection. In verse number, the second part of verse number five, he talks about the promise of his presence. In verse number six, he talks about the promise of his plan. Verse number eight talks about his precepts. Listen, these promises are for our claiming. Man, his protection and his presence, that God has a plan. Listen, God has a plan for your life. Now, now just think about that. The creator of the universe, 
The one that spoke the, you know, the stars into the sky and created the galaxies. That carved out the Grand Canyon. Listen, he's got a plan for you. Listen, as small and insignificant that I am, God has a plan for my life. He created me for a purpose. Now listen, God has a plan for your life. He gifted you. He, he, he gives you talents and abilities. And, you know, he, he handcrafted you. And God says this to you, I desire to use you. I have a plan for your life. And listen, and only you, only you can accomplish it. Now just kind of let that sink in. Just like that, that, God has something for me to do that no one else can do. I don't know what that does to your heart. I don't know what it does to your mind, but listen, at times it really excites me. Like, wow. God has something for me to do. Sometimes it blows my mind. Hey, man, if I was God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make somebody like me. But listen, God desires to use me. God desires to use you. And here it is. The big fear. I don't know if God can use me. What do I have to offer God? I'm not like so-and-so. I can't do that, and I, can't, I don't have that ability. I don't have that talent. No, you might not, but listen, God can use you. God desires to use you. He longs to use you. But the question is this, will you present yourself and make yourself available to God with a heart of commitment and courage. And that courage, listen, is fueled from a heart of faith. So here's the winner's focus for this point. Face your fears, wherever they may be, with a heart filled with faith. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. God is able. Let's say that together, ready? God is able. Now let's say it like we believe it. God, God is able to use you. God is able to use you. I'm sure if you ask anybody that's in this room that's in what we would say full-time ministry, have you ever questioned? Do you ever question, can God use me? Sure. Dr. Ryan, do you ever question, can God use me? Do you ever think that? I know I have many times, and I still do, because fears come around and they grab hold of me and they kind of hold me captive and they strangle me. But I need to realize, listen, God is able. Amen. Listen, God's able to use us. 
we just need to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Lord, send me to that field. Lord, help me to build that church. I'll start that church. Lord, I'll help those teenagers. Whatever it is, Lord, use me. I believe in you. Listen, that's our focus. Face your fears with a heart of faith. You might say, well, you don't want to know my past. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Well, either was I. To my knowledge, my mom passed away when I was 16 years old. She was 41. It was right in that time frame when I started to go into a, a Baptist church and hearing the gospel. And, and at 15, 16, not fully always understanding what all that meant. My mom suddenly passed away. To my knowledge, my mom did not know the Lord. My dad, when my mom passed away, my dad didn't know how to handle it. He definitely wasn't a Christian. He turned to alcohol. You talk about a dysfunctional home. We didn't have that term back then. We were just messed up. I could look at that and say, you know what? God can't use somebody like growing up in that type of setting. God is able. Listen, I'm not sure what's in your past. But can I remind you of something? It's in your past. Just remember that. It's in your past. And we serve a great God who's able to forgive us of our past and to restore us and to rebuild us and remake us. We serve a great God. God is able. Do you believe that this morning? God is able. Listen, that's our, that's our faith, Lord. I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can use somebody like me. Oh, don't worry about that. Hey, listen, God, you know, in the book of Corinthians, first chapter, it talks about God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The weak things, not the strong ones. Man, when I get being read that, I say, wow, I guess I am a candidate. I'm not too strong, I'm weak. God used the simple, hey, that's me. Listen, you gotta have a heart of faith. God wants to use you. Let's look at the fourth principle. Write the word down, confidence. Our response to our fears is to trust in the Lord and what God can do through us. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I want to ask you a question this morning. Now don't answer it out loud, don't say amen, or just think about it. Can you trust God for your future?
And I know what we would, we would all say. We would all, we would all say what? Yes. But if we were to interview students that sat in this room 10 years ago who has deviated from what they once said was God's will for their life, doing something else now, there'd be a common thread there. And that common thread would be something like this. I didn't know how God was going to be able to take care of us. I'm not sure how God was, able to, how God was going to be able to do that. Or how was that going to work out? I just didn't see it. Hey, listen. You don't have to see it. You just got to believe him. You got to trust him. But how can we trust him? Number one, because of this. Let me give you some thoughts. Three quick thoughts. Three, three doctrines, okay? His omniscience. We can trust God because he knows what's best for me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm, I'm trying, trying to help you this morning. I could trust God because he, he knows everything. In Psalms 139, he knows my downsittings, he knows my uprising, he, he, he knows my thoughts, he, he knows my ways. I can't hide from God. Listen, God, God knows everything. And God knows what's best for me. So because of that, I can trust God with all of my heart. And I don't have to lean onto my own understanding. But I can acknowledge him in all my ways. Why? Because he knows what's best for me. Number two is this. I could trust him because of his omnipotence. Not only does God knows what's best for me, listen, God can do what's best for me. He's all-powerful. Just look at the life of David, a shepherd boy, but God used him. And throughout the Bible, see, I could trust God because of his omniscience. I could trust God because of his omnipotence. And I could trust God because of his love. Listen, because he will do what's best for me. Now, think about it. God's all-knowing. He knows what's best for me. He's all-powerful. He can do what's best for me. And he's loving. He will do what's best for me. Listen, sometimes what's best for me is a trial. And so many times what we do is, is we begin to question when a trial comes. Because we, in our minds, we think, you know, everything should be nice and smooth and easy because we've surrendered. Because we're here. No, God sometimes brings difficulties into our life to mold us, to shape us, listen, to prepare us, to test us. Here's a winner's focus. Throw it up there. Last, uh, we'll go, I think we've got time for one more. I don't know what time. Real quick, look, at our confidence is not found in our strength, 
but rest solely in God's might. Aren't you thankful that, huh, man, I don't, I don't have to rest in me. I can rest in him. I can rest in him. And very quickly, the fifth word I want to throw up there is consecration. Verse number eight, it talks about God's word. But this book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest deserve to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God's word is our source. Can I challenge you, young people? Don't skim on your time with God. Whatever you have to do, make sure that you you have that time to open up God's word and you feed yourself. Thank God for your Bible classes and thank God for chapel services and, and church services. Praise the Lord for all that. But listen, right now, this time in your life is a time that you learn how to feed yourself. You nourish yourself. You strengthen yourself through God's word. There's promises that you'll come across that you'll grab hold of. And you'll, hold, and you'll anchor your life to that. And I remember sitting in college and someone preached a soul winning message and at this time my dad still wasn't saved. And they preached on Psalms 126, verse five and six. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy, either go forth and weep at barren precious seeds, and doubtless come again, rejoice, bring the cheese with them. And I remember sitting in that chapel service, and I remember writing in, in, in that, that Bible next to that verse, I'm claiming Psalms 126 as a prayer promise to see my dad say it. I wrote the date, I think it was 1987, maybe it was 86, whenever it was. But I wrote it in there. And I began to pray. And I've been praying for my dad for many years. My dad did not want to hear it. Did not want to hear it. I kept on praying. That was a promise. And it anchored my soul. And I remember I made a commitment and answered the call to come out here to serve. And it was uh, back in 1991. I was teaching my, I was a youth pastor back in Chicago. I was teaching, challenging the teenagers and got done with the class and I was walking out and uh, my sister pulled me aside and said, listen, dad was just rushed to the hospital. We need to go now. So we drove up to the hospital and it was on Father's Day, June 16th, 1991. Walked into the room where my dad was at and he had cancer. We didn't realize how bad the cancer was in his body. Um, and so we spent some time together as a family, about one o'clock in the afternoon, 1.30. I looked at my family and I said, hey, listen, can I have some quiet time with dad alone? I said, why don't you guys all go downstairs, have something to eat, and I want some moments with my dad. They said, sure. And they all knew what I was gonna do. They went downstairs and 
I went, in, went to his bedside. I looked at my dad as he was laying in that bed. And I said, Dad, I said, don't you think it's about time that you accept Christ as your Savior? And he looked at me and he said, son, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I opened up God's word and shared the gospel with my dad. And, and on Father's Day of 1991, he prayed and accepted Christ as his Savior. I, we, we didn't realize how fragile he was. I went downstairs where my family was at, had a bite to eat. We came back upstairs. My dad was sleeping. And in his sleep, he slipped into a coma. And that night, he took a step into eternity. To my knowledge, I was the last person to talk to my dad. I know I was the last family member. And God kept his promise. Here's the last principle right here. A winner's focus. We need to be devoted our we need to devote our lives to the only source that will sustain us. It's his word. His word. Young people, God has a wonderful future for you. And I know it's the heart of this administration that you discern what that is. And then with commitment and with companionship and with courage, with consecration, listen, you live it out. You will not have any regrets. I'll never forget, I made a visit with another staff member. Uh, this is probably back in 1993, maybe 94. To a man named Mr. Sloan. They were, already had everything packed up. They were getting ready to move uh, across the country. And, and this fellow staff member and I, we went to the house and we started talking to him and we told him, you know, we loved him. Pastor loves you. We're going to certainly miss you. Please, you know, come visit on vacation. And all of a sudden, it, he started crying. And through his tears, he said this to us. He said, I'm so thankful that Pastor answered the call, and that you two men answered the call. And all of a sudden, he just started really crying where it was almost kind of like, is he having a nervous breakdown? You know, it's like one of those moments. And he reached into his pocket, and he pulled out his wallet. And inside his wallet was a decision card that he made when he was a teenager. And that decision was, that God called him to preach. And he, and he showed us the date, had the counselor's name, 
had his name. And through tears, he said, this is what God's called me to do. But I never did it. I never followed through. Because I was afraid. He said, my fears were too great. I have wasted my life. I've got a wonderful marriage. I've got a wonderful family. But I did not do what my Savior called me to do. Because I was afraid. God has not given us the spirit of fear. But of love and of power and a sound mind. Don't get the end of your life and look back with a big regret. I missed it. I missed it.